build a strong church community. What can we do in our churches to engage those around us for Christ? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on the show, Pat will be sharing another inspiring message he recently shared at a local church in Hawaii. If you're unable to hear the entire study, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat with today's study. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. First gospel, last page of that gospel, Matthew chapter 28. And I want to thank all of you who take part in our ministry of evidence and answers to proclaim and defend the gospel throughout the world. Many ways you can join us every morning at 9.30 a.m., on KGU 99.5, you can join us for Evidence and Answers, some of the best Christian scholars and powerful half hour where we present the compelling evidence for Christ and answer the toughest questions of our day. Well, as we begin now, let's open in prayer together. Father, challenge us through your word this morning to live out the commands you have before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the next couple of weeks, we're doing our series, Building Great Community. And so you've got me for the next few weeks. And this is our theme, Building a Great Community. As I go around the world, I ask people, what does a great church look like? What does a great fellowship of believers look like? What's it look like? And here's some of the answers I get. A community where they encourage one another. They're not coming in here saying, what's in it for me? They're here to encourage and build one another up. They willingly sacrifice for one another. Believers love one another. The worship is vibrant and alive. Believers are united in heart and mind serving the Lord together. Man, uh, you just heard a testimony from a trip in China. It is a blast doing ministry together with one heart, with one mind, side by side. There's nothing more enjoyable than that. A ministry that's reaching lost people for Jesus Christ. Not just one person reaching lost people, but the entire body of Christ together reaching lost people for Christ. Biblically-based teaching, authentic fellowship where we're really sharing together heart to heart. And a community of believers that deal with disagreements maturely and biblically. Well, that looks like a fun group to be a part of. Who wouldn't want to be part of a community like that? And I have been part of communities like this. Youth ministries, Christian organizations, churches. I've been part of communities like this. Well, how does it all happen? How do we make it happen here at the Honolulu Christian Church or whatever fellowship you're at? Well, it happens when the people of God make a great commitment to the two pillars the foundation of every Christian ministry and every Christian fellowship. They make a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. Hey, when Christians make a commitment to those two pillars, you're going to have a dynamic and a great community. When they commit to the great commission and the great commandment. We're going to study those two in the next couple of weeks, but this week we're going to focus on the great commission. When you've got a fellowship of believers built on those two pillars, Focused on those two things, fulfilling the Great Commission and fulfilling the Great Commandment. You're going to have a great community that everyone's going to want to be a part of. So let's study the Great Commission today. The Great Commission reads, Jesus says here, All authority in heaven and earth 
have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? We're familiar with the Great Commission. There's one main verb in the Great Commission. What is it? Make disciples. Make disciples is the imperative in the Great Commission. That's the one key verb. Make disciples. That's what the church is all about. Why are you here? What is the mission of every church? To make disciples. That's what we're all about. Fulfilling the Great Commission is all about making disciples. That's the one main command. Make disciples. It's an imperative. Salvation is a free gift. Right? It's given freely and it's received by faith in Christ. Discipleship, however, after you believe and come to faith in Christ, you're called to be a disciple of Christ. And a call to discipleship costs you everything. Salvation is a free gift, but discipleship will cost you your life. There's a price to be paid for seeking to follow Christ. There's a commitment we must all make, and that is to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So salvation is a free gift, but discipleship will cost you everything. What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, disciple means more than just a learner or a student. A disciple means not only one who learns from the master, but one who becomes attached to one's teacher and adheres to his doctrine and the conduct of his life. In other words, a disciple becomes like their teacher or their master. That's what it means to be a disciple, to become attached and become like your master. So the Greek word there, mathetes, means more than just a mere pupil or learner. It's an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it the rule of his conduct. There's a cost to this, all right? It costs you everything. Jesus said, if you want to be a disciple... You have to make a commitment. Take up your cross daily. Die to yourself and come follow me. So a disciple is one who is totally committed to Jesus Christ and seeks to be like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's the call to discipleship. And we're called to more than just make converts. All right? When someone raises their hand to receive Christ, that's not the end. That is just the beginning. We're not called to make converts. Jesus called us to what? Make disciples. These guys, people committed to Christ and living as Jesus lived. And making disciples is not the mission of the people in ministry only. The call to make disciples is for every believer in Christ. You are all called to be a part of the Great Commission. Everyone is called to make disciples. To be a disciple and to make disciples, to transform, impact, and change lives for Jesus Christ is the calling on everyone's life who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. We're to duplicate our lives in the lives of others. And that's a big theme throughout the Bible. One of the first things Jesus did is he gathered 12 men and he poured his life into them. Paul poured his life into two men we know of, Timothy and Silas, mentioned there in the New Testament. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, 
Paul commands this. He says, older women, he commands them to what? Go on vacation and take it easy for the rest of your life, right? No, he says, older women, train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be respectful to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Right? He says to older women, train the younger women, disciple them, teach them what does it mean to be a woman of God? What does it mean to be a wife? How do we treat our husband? How do we raise our children? That's the calling of older women. Older men, you're called to disciple the younger men. What does it mean to be a man of God? What does it mean to be a spiritual leader of your home? What does it mean to be a father? That's what older men are called to do. Hey, just because perhaps you're of retirement age or whatever, you think, oh, young people don't want to hear from me. Man, I'm not hip. You bet they do. The young moms here want to know, how am I supposed to raise this kid? Young couples in here going, man, we got some issues here that we don't seem to be able to work through. I mean, counseling is great. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but the guy only spends an hour with you. All right, and then come back next month or next week. Discipleship is when I'm pouring my life into you. Man, wouldn't it be great if the older women here are pouring their lives into younger women and older men into younger men? Man, you'd have a great church, wouldn't you? That's the call of every believer in Christ. Well, you may be sitting there going, wow, I'm divorced. God can't use me. Sure he can. You're exactly the kind of person he wants to use. You've got experiences. You can disciple and pour your life into others who have gone through those struggles. Well, I'm a drug addict, man. I'm recovering from drugs. Well, you're perfect. You're the kind of guy God wants to use. There are a lot of people out there wondering, I'm a Christian, but I don't know how to overcome this addiction I've got. You're called to come alongside and disciple and pour your life into them. In my life, I'm grateful for the men and women who have poured their life into me and taught me how to walk with God. You know, I prayed to receive Christ and then I was kind of lost. What am I supposed to do now? Read the Bible? Where do I read about? Where do I start? Pray? What, what am I supposed to pray? How do I do all this? And I'm glad that there were men and women who came alongside me and poured their life into me and got me rooted and grounded and taught me how to walk with God and made disciples. And as I grew, I found other men and women who equipped me and trained me how to do ministry, how to make disciples, how to teach, how to find God's will in your life. And later on, men and women who mentored me. How do you teach? How do you communicate God's word effectively? Always seeking mentors who would mentor me in developing in my Christian life. That's what we need. All right, those of you who learn how to play piano, how do you learn? Read a book? No, you got to read a book, but then you got to get along a good piano player, and they got to show you how it's done. How do you learn how to play golf? Watch the golf channel? Oh, yeah, you get some tips, but you better grab a club and get out there with someone who's really good in golf, and he can show you how it's done. How do you learn to walk with Jesus? You got to get alongside someone who's further down the road, and they can show you how it's done and pour their life into you. We're to be looking for disciples, and we are to also be making disciples. All right, that's the mission of every Christian. And in you know some of the deepest, darkest days of my life. I'm glad I had men and women who came alongside me and walked with me through those dark tunnels. I was talking to a friend here, and he was talking about dealing with depression. And I said, man, I've been there. I've been in that dark tunnel. And he looked at me and said, how'd you get out of it? I said, well, you know, I, I went on the medication. It, it did some good. I went to the counselors. They did some good. But you know what really helped? Is when I met an older gentleman named Mike and another guy named Mike. Mike and Mike, right? Sounds like a radio show. And... They had been through what I had been through. 
And when I first met with Mike, he was a counseling pastor, and he said, Pat, meet me 7 a.m. at the lake. I said, oh, all right. So I met him there at the lake, and we went fishing together. And that's where it wasn't a traditional counseling, which is not what I needed. It was literally what? Discipleship, where we met every week and fished together, and he poured his life out into me. And he shared with me what promises from God's Word really helped him get through that dark tunnel. It was key in my life. And another guy, Mike, we met every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. for four years while I was living in Texas. We met every week to share life as he poured his life into me and gave me incredibly wise wisdom to get through those days. But we walked through it together. That's discipleship. That's what we're called to do. So our life application is this. Every Christian is called to commit to discipleship and to be a disciple to find someone that can mentor them in the faith and teach us all how to walk with Jesus in deeper and greater ways. Secondly, every Christian is called to make disciples. So the question for you is, have you made the commitment to discipleship? And secondly, are you making disciples? You know, when I was in college, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life, you know? And I was wondering, how can I know God's will? And I remember listening to a missionary, and he said this. He said, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, study the Great Commission and figure out what part of the Great Commission God wants you to be a part of. What role are you going to play in fulfilling the Great Commission? And that's how you figure out God's will for you. Because Christians ought to be all about what? Making disciples. The churches ought to be all about what? Making disciples. All right? It's been a lost art in the church today. There's not enough churches out there making disciples. We're not called to build big buildings and big monuments. We're called to what? Make disciples. Fulfilling the Great Commission, being a part of it, is key to discovering God's will in your life. That's what Christ was all about, and that's what he's called each individual Christian to be about. Well, how do you make disciples? Well, you got three participles, and you got to go back to eighth grade grammar here. Right? Participles modify the main verb. The main verb is make disciples. How do you do it? The three participles. Going, baptizing, teaching. All right? Let's look at the first one. Going. Making disciples involves evangelism. Reaching the lost. It's a present active participle, meaning it's something that's ongoing that we're regularly doing. Building relationships with our friends and family members who don't know Christ here and to all of the world. A healthy body of believers has a balance of outreach and inreach as well. Now, according to the latest Barna research, George Barna is a sociologist who studies churches throughout the United States, and he discovered 50% of Christians do not share their faith. So we're called to share our faith with a lost world, not just individually, but as a body of believers together. You know, when I was a pastor, The majority of people that came to Christ came to Christ because someone reached out to them, but they didn't commit their lives to Christ until they came and saw the body life and how Christians loved one another and shared life together and cared for one another. And they said, wow, this thing is for real. I want to be a part of this. So not only individually, but together as a body, reaching our friends and family members who don't know Jesus Christ. Now, Those of you that aren't in full-time ministry, you got a tremendous advantage over guys like me. Most of the people I run into are what? Christians. 
Most of the people you run into Monday through Friday are what? Unbelieving world. You've got a great opportunity to build relationships with people who don't know Christ, sharing the love of Christ with them each day. You know, one of the things I do is I still, at my old age, still go work out with a bunch of young guys doing jujitsu. All right? Now, you may be thinking, what's this crazy old guy doing going out with these guys doing jujitsu? Am I crazy? I mean, these guys are 300 pounds, you know, Samoans and Hawaiians. Just crush me, throw me all over the place, sit on me. Does this man have visions of fighting in the cage someday? Of course I do. No, just kidding. Okay. But the reason I do that is what? It's my way of building relationships with people who don't know Christ. And, you know, when we get out there and we roll and I beat them. No, just kidding. And they beat up on me and whatever. We have a great time. Well, they have a great time. I don't. They have a great, and after we get to talk, they get to tell me about the girlfriends they're living with and, and the kids they've had you know, with this girlfriend and that girlfriend and the things that they're struggling with. And I get to share Jesus with them, you know, in a non-condemning way and everything. And it's my way to reach lost people for Christ. But you have that opportunity all the time. And that's what we're to be about. So our life application is to build intentional relationships with those who don't know Christ around us. And one of the great tools for me is to make a list of five friends and family members who don't know Jesus and to pray for them throughout the year. And as you do, guess what? God's going to give you opportunities. I mean, they're going to pop up, so you better be ready to share the Lord with them. So part of fulfilling the Great Commission is evangelism. The second participle is baptizing. Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing, it's a one-time event, but it's important because that's when an unbeliever says publicly, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. They publicly proclaim before friends and family members that they have chosen to follow Christ. Evangelism is sharing our faith Baptism is the fruit of that evangelism when a believer publicly confesses his faith in Jesus Christ. Early Christians called baptism a sacramentum. That's the Latin word for the Roman soldier's oath of absolute devotion and obedience to his general. So when Christians called baptism a sacramentum, they were taking on the same meaning. But of a believer swearing an oath to Jesus Christ, an oath of absolute obedience and devotion to our master, Jesus Christ. Baptism is not required for salvation, but it's an important part of our calling for discipleship. The third participle is teaching. Making disciples involves teaching. Teaching, that's the third participle. Okay? Baptism is a one-time thing. Teaching them to obey all I have commanded you, that is a lifetime thing. A disciple of Christ for the rest of our lives, we're going to be learning God's truth. And a disciple doesn't stop at just learning God's truth, but obeying and applying all that they learn. Look at the life of Christ. Teaching came not only in the classroom, but in living out life together. Jesus lived it out with his disciples. They shared life together. One of the first things Jesus did, okay, that was a priority in his ministry. He didn't come to build great buildings. Jesus came to what? Make disciples. That was the focus of his ministry. In Mark chapter 3, one of the first things he did in his ministry was what? 
gathered 12 men so they could be with him. What did he do? He gathered 12 men so that he could pour his life out into them. They could see how he prayed, how he studied the word of God, how he taught, how he shared God's love with the lost. When opponents ridiculed him and criticized him, how did he respond? Day and night they were with Jesus. He gathered 12 men to be with him. Jesus never ran for political office. He never commanded an army. And when he left, what did he leave behind? A university? A great building? He left 12 men, one of whom betrayed him. Now, you may look at that and say, wow, what a failure. God the Son, that's the best he could do? 11 men? Well, what did he do? He had turned them into disciples. And what did they do? They turned around and they made disciples. Who made disciples? And guess what? They turned the world upside down. And Jesus commanded us to do the same, to make disciples. The greatest investment you and I can make as believers in Christ is impacting and transforming lives for the kingdom of God. God wants to use you and I to transform and impact and change lives for the kingdom of God. Boy, you really want to experience God in your life? You want to experience the dynamic Christian life of what it was all meant to be? Be a part of the Great Commission. Make disciples. Okay? Be a disciple. Make disciples. It's great to be used of God in this way and to touch and transform lives and be a part of that. You know, there are several men and women who I have had a chance to disciple. Back when I was a youth pastor, I discipled the guys there. And two of them, Eric and Tim, my most rascal guys, I had them since eighth grade and discipled them right through college. And then, you know, I went on to do the ministry I do now. Well, a few years ago, Eric called me and he said, Pat, I'm getting married. I said, oh, all right. Congratulations. And I knew his bride. And he said, can you come and do our wedding? And I said, no. I said, I don't do weddings. I said, by the way, I haven't done a wedding before. So uh, <laughs> you probably want to get Pastor Nelson or someone else. I couldn't talk about it. He said, he said well, man, we'd really like that. You had such a big part in our life. I'd like you to, to do our wedding. So I said, well, let me look at my schedule. And I looked at my schedule, and I was in another part of the world, in a country where we had planned about two years to go because uh, the Christians there are persecuted for Christ. And I called them back, and I said, praise the Lord. I can't do the wedding. I'm on the other side of the world. And hey, you know, we've been planning this for two years. These are persecuted believers. They've been waiting for us. And uh, so, you know, can't do it. Too bad. And I thought, whoo, got out of that one. Man, I hung up. For the next several days, the Holy Spirit bugged the heck out of me and said, you know, you are a part of his life from when he first started walking with Christ all the way in through college. And I want you to be a part of his life now in perhaps one of the greatest days of his life. I want you to be a part of it. And so I thought about it and I prayed, and I thought, okay, I knew it was of the Lord. So I had to call the team and say, hey, I know we've spent two years trying to get into this country. We're finally in there, but you know what? I'm not going. We're going to have to make some arrangements here because I need to be in this wedding in Dallas here. And they said, what wedding? Come on. We've been planning this for how long? And I said, you know what? God just told me, this guy's a special guy to me. I was able to disciple him and he really wants me to be a part of it. And guys, I got to go. So we made arrangements and everything and called Eric and I said, Eric, hey, I'm going to be there. 
all right? And they were so thrilled and came and to see him and his wife and to reflect upon all that we've been through. And, you know, they thanked me for the investment I had in his life. It was just a tremendous thrill. And what more thrilling experience can you have than something like that, right? Well, a few months later, his brother called me, Tim. And he said, Pat, I'm getting married. I said, oh, okay, great. He said, can you come do the wedding? And I said, no. I said, I don't do weddings. One was enough. He goes, oh, come on, man. Uh, And so same thing. I was supposed to be in another part of the world. And we had to make arrangements. And I came back and I did his wedding. And I remember speaking to him and his bride. And I remember speaking to him. And I shared about uh, when he was young and his family and the things we went through. And he started crying at the altar there. And I didn't know what to do. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available for you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. (laughs) 